Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast Show. My name is Todd Mira, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast Show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast Show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Toddcast Show. Today we're joined by Neil. How are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a great day. Awesome, it is, man. And where are you calling from today? Uh, just south of Vancouver, British Columbia. Wow, British Columbia. What's the weather like up there today? Uh, you know, I'd say it's uh, low 70s and sunny and a little bit windy. But uh, yeah, pretty nice day. We've had uh, we've had a great summer, like not too hot and uh, pretty moderate weather. And you know, we've been into the low 80s a few times, but uh, other than that, it's been the 70s. It's very nice. Well, that sounds great. Do you get pretty extreme weather up there, like in the summers and the winters? Uh, you know. Every now and then it can be, but extreme, you know, for cold, we get, um, you know, the Vancouver has a backdrop of mountains, of course, uh, 5,000 feet high, mm-hmm. and uh, so you can ski up on the hill, and you can uh, golf in the afternoon in a day in the winter, you know, there'll be snow in the hills and nothing in the city, um, cool. and every now and then it'll snow in the city, and that usually causes gridlock because people just aren't used to it, right? Yeah, I think it's like that everywhere. I used to live in California years ago, and boy, oh boy, they do not drive in the rain very well there. <laughs> no <laughs> well, way. Well, we're like we're like we're like Seattle that way, you know. So people are pretty good about driving in the rain, but you know, snow hits and different different story. Yeah, totally, man. Um, I live in the mountains in Arizona, and we're almost at the same altitude, and we get snow here, and most people would never even think of that in Arizona, but. Um, sure enough, yeah, man. You get all four seasons and everything. It's crazy. Yeah, have yeah. You, well, I, and you're, you're right. I have not been to Arizona, and I would not have guessed that. No, no, no. If you come to the Grand Canyon in the winter, you'll see snow. But, yeah, it's like nothing like Phoenix. When people think of Arizona, they think of the valley. And down in the lower valley, it gets crazy. The weather is unreal. Like, they have the monsoon storms, which we have here, but they're much worse and these things called haboobs and they're the biggest most menacing looking sandstorms you've ever seen they have them in Saudi Arabia too and uh, they're ridiculous like miles high in the air this giant wall of dirt coming at you <laughs> gnarly man gnarly really weird wow, yeah weird, and, I, weird. and I've seen that on I've seen that on TV you know like films of it but yeah I couldn't imagine being in it no, it's crazy. Especially if you're used to it. Yeah, not only that, at the middle of the day, it turns day into night, and, you know, the traffic stops and people crash into each other. It's, 
It's quite an adventure, let me tell you that. Um, were you born in Canada? Yeah, born in Vancouver. Awesome. So you spent your whole life there. Have you ever traveled? Um, I have lived across Canada, and I have traveled around the world. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And obviously, Canada is your favorite spot, right? I'm guessing. Uh, well, you know, Canada is, uh, uh, I, I, you know, there's lots of nice places. Uh, my wife is uh, from German or Germany originally, and uh, I love uh, Germany and uh, Austria and Italy. And, uh, I'm a motorcycle rider, so, uh, you know, in 2015, I did a, a tour of the Alps on, the, on my favorite motorcycle, which is a BMW R1200. Nice. I have an RT, but um, a GS, and uh, it was two weeks of heaven. I can tell you, on these little oh, tiny nice. roads with uh, incredibly tight switchbacks, uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, Beautiful. dude, that is awesome. I actually have a motorcycle too. I need to learn how to use it, but um, it's a big and it's an '81 Goldwing uh, 1100 Interstate, and boy, it's really beautiful. I spent a few months working on it and restoring it, and it's pretty much almost in brand new condition and uh, you know it's so heavy and everything the Beamer I really like the Beamer motorcycles a lot I hear they're tricky to control with the throttle and stuff they're really sensitive but I have a BMW car and I thought oh how cute it would be to have a BMW motorcycle to go with it <laughs> well and and I, I I've never found they're tricky I mean maybe on the racing bike they are but uh, yeah no the, the, they're and they're I don't know they're just I love them. They're nice. nice. I mean, all motorcycles are great, but I, I have a, I have a, a pension for BMW. So yeah, totally. Yeah, man, the cars too. I, I really like my Beamer. It's a great car. And what a, what a driver. You know, for a daily driver, it just makes the best automobile. It feels right, and you know, it's going to get you from point A to point B. And you know, if you take care of it, it'll last hundreds of thousands of miles theoretically. Um, at least the older ones I know are like that. Um, totally. Mm -hmm. And so when you uh, grew up in Canada, did you have a whole family, both parents? Do you have siblings? What's that story like? Uh, youngest of six. So I have uh, four, four older sisters and one older brother. And uh, My dad died when I was five. My mom remarried when I was 13. Wow. And um, we moved to the northern BC, and I was the only one in the family that went with her. And we lived in the middle of nowhere on a ranch that runs 500 head of cattle and 130 head of horses. And uh, the nice. closest town was 130 miles away. And really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, and it was uh, coal oil lamps and outhouses and well water, and uh, yeah, it was pretty primitive living. Oh my God, you're speaking to my heart. You know, I did a Google search the other day, uh, where to go to have a truly authentic Old West experience with no electricity. <laughs> I was looking for that actually, and I think it'd be fun to experience that. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for the Old Westerns and stuff. I love spaghetti Westerns and the show Bonanza. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you say that, like I, I get all these images of things that I think about from the show, which is pretty idiotic in itself, but there is a lot of truth to it. It's such a peaceful existence, but really rough too. You have to fend for yourself. What was the biggest danger living in the country? Wildlife? No, no, not at all. Um, I guess um, biggest danger is, you know, probably, you know, if you got hurt, 
either be, you know, be, uh, you know, maybe you're haying and got hurt that way, or uh, uh, maybe bucked off a horse and trampled on or something. Uh, you know, doctors a long ways away, and certainly there's no, you know, hospital uh, close by, and there was no telephone communication either, right? It was, uh, uh, was uh, pretty, you know, Spartan in terms of uh, all of those conveniences that uh, even we grew up in in the 60s with, uh, with living close to a city, right? Absolutely. No cell phones or anything. Oh, back in the 60s? No cell phones, but Oh, that was in nothing. the 60s. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Right, 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 right. You're older. You sound really young. You sound really young. You sound really young. I was confused. Yeah, I was thinking like, geez, dude. Talking like the late 1800s, but yeah, okay. 60s. <laughs> that oh, was that. I was, I'm, I'm 62, so. <laughs> okay. Very cool. Very cool. And so your family, you ended up being closest with your mom, I guess. Is that how it worked out? Uh, yeah, in terms of my family, absolutely, yeah, closest to my mom, yeah. Mm -hmm. And today, do you still keep in touch with all your relatives? Uh, yeah, my, um, yeah, my sisters and my brother and, uh, and one stepbrother, uh, yeah, we stay in touch. Very Not cool. Not a regular thing, but, uh, you know, by phone, a little chat every now and then. That's nice. That's good, that's good. Keep the family alive. I think that's really nice. Do they all share similar viewpoints as you and whatnot or are you all very different how how did uh, how does it work with a big group of kids it's like the Brady Bunch um, are you all very different or are you all similar how did it work out that way no pretty much all different Very I don't cool. know about the older sisters I mean the older sisters um, they you know I didn't have much contact with them because my dad died when I was five and they moved out of the house probably by the time I was 10 so I you know I didn't have much contact with them mm -hmm. I see interesting and so what do you do if you don't mind me asking a professional engineer with an MBA and I worked in the hydroelectric industry for over 34 years initially wow. as an engineer and then as a project manager very cool hydroelectric power that's a pretty smart concept I know it's it's used a lot in creeks and whatnot. That's uh, when you get the little wheels spinning in the moving water, right? Yeah, and we're we're talking about uh, you know kind of large hydroelectric, like Hoover Dam hydroelectric. <laughs> yeah, I decided. <laughs> and so, how did you find your way into being a hydroelectric engineer? Did you go to school for that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, did, I bummed her after high school. I didn't want to go to university. I just I bumped around for a few years. And, uh, and then when I turned, I don't know, 21, I decided I would go to university. So five-year degree for engineering back then. Very cool. Very cool. Back then when units cost a lot less than they do now. Boy, I'll tell you. I remember when, yeah. I, was in, yeah. when I was in school, I think it started at $4.50 a unit for community college. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't even know. Oh, what it yeah, I think my fees were more than, mine was probably two grand for a year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, things have changed. Um, so have you spent much time in the U.S.? Uh, you know, I mean, relatively speaking, no, but yeah, I spent time in the U.S. I have five grandkids. They're all in Texas. So oh, nice. I've been to California. Yeah, I've done all the California things. Oh, boy. Um, 
And, recently, uh, recently, or no, 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 two years ago. Uh, okay. I've been to New York a few times, Florida once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, been around. Uh, been oh, and I did motorcycle trip down into Montana and through Idaho, state of Washington. Gosh, what Northern beautiful! California. Can imagine how beautiful that was. Wow, that's amazing. That was how, trip. how cool, man! When was um, the first time you got on a bike? Did you do that when you were a kid, or did you learn as an adult? No, I did that when I was a kid. But right you know, my mom quickly banned me from uh, that, and <laughs> I didn't buy a I didn't buy a motorcycle until well, I had one. No, that's not true. I had one when I was um, probably. 2021 and I had it for a few years with an old uh, TSA 650 Yamaha and it uh, had some electrical issues and I uh, finally I had a my daughter was born in 85 and uh, so I sold it used to scare her when I started it up so uh, I sold it and, uh, and then the next time I bought a bike was uh, 2008 wow very cool and that's the one that you have now yeah, I just sold it actually, but yeah, that's uh, that's the RT that I bought at 2008, uh, 1200 RT. Nice bike. Very cool. And now you have just a Beamer, or it is? We have a car now. We, yeah, we have yeah we've had BMWs since okay. No more two wheeled adventures for you. Uh, not right now. Never know. I don't. I never say never to anything. No, no, definitely not. Especially if you've got that. I I dream of getting out on the highway. I haven't done it yet, but. When the time comes, I can't wait to take a ride through the mountain roads and not the twisty ones, the long straight ones, please. <laughs> uh, and all that. The twisties are more, well, it's nice to be on a straight road too, but the twisties are more fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and when you learn how to lean a 700 pound beast sitting between your legs, yeah, that, I'm sure that's true, but right now it scares the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, you'll, just, you'll get used to it. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. Dirt biking is something I've done with smaller bikes but the big one is a brand new thing but I'm really excited about it I can't wait to get out there and enjoy that and speaking of enjoyment um, I know that uh, you have some things that you're doing in your life that relate to helping other people find enjoyment in their life is that right yes uh, yeah absolutely to, uh, yeah, I'm working to uh, help people motive wherever they are into, uh, into a place of uh, utter love and peace and joy and uh, Awesome. Very cool. All things that we all want. Um, what would you say in your own particular experience brought you to the realization that this was something important in your life? Uh, in From 2002 to 2015, I uh, slowly drove myself into this really deep and dark, despondent depression. Uh, and uh, no one knew I was there because we're, we're all great actors in our environment, right? We wear this facade. We can project whatever we want to uh, anybody, be it a, a close family member or clients or friends. So no one knew. My wife didn't know. My family didn't know. Really? Uh, I, rec I recognized I was there, and I thought I need to do something. So I, I picked up some, uh, some variety of books, spiritual books and um, scientific books, to be the engineer. And... Uh, you know, I, I studied them for a couple of years, and, uh, all great processes and ideas. And, uh, it didn't work, and uh, our house had been on the market for five years. 
uh, finally sold in November, uh, early November of 2017. And um, my wife jumped on a plane to go to Toronto, Ontario, Canada to visit family and friends. And we were in this little one-bedroom rental apartment in the city, and uh, I sat down at the kitchen table, planned out my suicide, drafted my suicide note, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, Goodness. that's what brought me to that point. Okay, okay. Now, I've been really depressed, but I haven't gotten that far with it. Um, I've thought about it. I definitely wondered what the world would be like without me, but if you don't mind, I know it's really personal, but... Could you share a little bit about kind of where you were at and how you found your way out of that? So you wrote the letter and all intents and purposes you were planning to end your life, but what what changed and how did you find your way out of that? How did you escape that depression that was so paralyzing? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think the first thing to, to you know, I'll, I'll say is that, you know, I got to a point where, um, you know, it didn't didn't really matter what I did and how much money I made and how much money I spent or or where I traveled. I, I mean, I loved going to Europe and loved museums and seeing the architect the old architecture and loved that kind of stuff and have fun whenever we did that. And uh, uh, they were great experiences. But as soon as I got back to day to day life, I was just I was a misery. Like it didn't matter what happened to me. Really, I was just miserable inside. I mean, you have these great moments of, oh, this is fantastic and everything. And, you know, the next minute you're, I was just in this deep, you know, deep, dark state. And so um, I, I just got to this point of no matter what I did or what I was doing, uh, it was just a life was a misery. And I thought, why would I want to spend another five years, 10 years, 20 years in this state? Uh, I'd rather just be done with it. So I was planning it out about three months to ensure my wife would be okay financially, uh, you know, get rid of all the crap we accumulate over our lifetime so that no one needs to deal with after someone dies, you know, kind of do that ahead of time to lighten the burden on her. And um, But a week prior to that, uh, some information fortuitously came to me that promised to liberate me from my thinking if I studied it and I followed it. And I was I was looking for any kind of sliver of hope to keep going. Yeah. And um, and so I thought, okay, well, I'll give this a go because I can always pull the trigger. I'll push out the date of my suicide. Uh, I'll start studying this material. And um, so I, I studied this material and, and gained some new knowledge by doing this process. But this material and a year ago November 2018 I woke up and my depression was like totally gone I was just I was full of this inner love and peace and uh, felt totally prosperous and abundant and joyous and um, out of nowhere after, I was, well no it wasn't out of nowhere it was just sort of following this process and this knowledge and it happens that these changes happen slowly and imperceptibly as you're going through this, but if you follow the process, um, this is where that, this is where it will take you. So, um, I, um, about a month after end of December, 2018, I went into two meditations, two days apart, and I went into this meditation and I got into it and uh, all of a sudden the spiritual energy flowed in through my head and it just, it filled my body and then totally enveloped me cradled me in this in unconditional love and it's a 
unconditional love we don't have the human language to describe. It's just I felt totally supported. I felt not judged. I didn't didn't matter what anybody had done to me in the past or what I had done to anybody. I didn't care what aches and pains my body had. It was just this most beautiful and blissful state that you can't even imagine it until you experience it. Mm-hmm. And um, I came out of that meditation. I wanted to stay there forever. Came out of that meditation. Two days later, I had the exact same meditation. And at that point, I knew that the new knowledge I gained and the process I followed is our truth. And then from there, it's just been this ever-evolving, enlightening, rapturous, joyous, peaceful, safe and secure um, existence. And as I just get deeper and deeper into, uh, you know, kind of knowing where we come from, where we return to, and what we're meant to do here on Earth. Very cool. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that you went through all of that, but wow, you beat it, man. Congratulations. Oh, it, you know, all of that was a gift. It was a gift to get me where I got. Who was the, the gift I'm, from? Who, who gave you the gift? Having a little drink of water. Oh, we're good. Well, the gift, the gift is the, um, the gift is the, so it's only through lessons of suffering will the journeying soul gain self-knowledge to retain individuality after discarding the ego. And so it's a gift in that through these lessons of suffering that that, that give you this misery and, and, uh, and feeling like you're at the end of your road or end of your rope and, and stuff. Those are the kinds of things that will start um, start you on this path of asking questions about why am I here? What's the purpose? Because life is a misery. And you go through that state and then if you are fortunate enough to have you know, some new information and a, and, a, and a process to get in and break up and dissolve your patterns of thinking and feeling that you've programmed in your subconscious mind. Then you can change your consciousness, you can rebuild it, and you can come out of it just in this brand new place. And, uh, you know, all of the security and the peace and the joy and the love that anybody is seeking it's all inside of you you just need to know how to uh, unlock it and let it come forth man it sounds like you're talking about god do you believe in god well um so a creator creator, let's say so let's let's say our creator our source of being god yahweh allah the Tao, whatever you want to call it yes all the same yeah i get it i get that and then do you believe that we're all able to, let's say, transcend our problems and different things through energetic means and like, you know, the spiritual aspect of things shifting that energy. It sounds like one day when things just clicked right for you, all of a sudden the spiritual forces started to flow through you when they were blocked before. That's kind of what I got from what you said. Yeah, so... um So yes, uh, I think your question was, you know, can anybody do this? Is that a fair way to restate your question? Um, sorry, yeah, no, no, I'm kind of shooting from the hip. Uh, more like, uh, you know, uh, people all have the ability to do a lot more than they realize through spiritual means, I guess, is the question I'm asking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just, you know, the soul is here on this evolutionary journey. And 
uh, you know, you're, you're born into, you know, you come here in many lifetimes in varying genders, varying places of origin, varying colors of skin, different languages, different cultures, sometimes religious, sometimes not religious, sometimes wealthy, sometimes poor. All of these things are to create experiences that your soul wants to learn to get to this process where it finally wakes up and understands what it's doing to yourself, what it's doing to itself. Every, you create every event and every experience that comes into your life through your thinking and your feeling. And when you understand the mechanics of the universe and how and why we do this unknowingly, unwittingly, and ignorantly, then you can start to go through this process to uh, cleanse your consciousness, to rebuild it, and to bring it back into alignment with where we come from and to where we return after the death of the body. And when you bring yourself back into alignment with where we come from, which is unconditional love, and uh, and start living from that inside out, from that perspective, um, your life totally changes. That's amazing. And it sounds great. Just hearing you, my eyes are closed listening to you speak. And uh, it just sounds so comforting and warm, but it's not, you know, it's not superficial. This is the real deal. This is about as good as it gets on this planet, right? Like this is the kind of thing that we all really want deep inside, the love and feeling of belonging and understanding ourselves and our purpose and all that stuff. How does meditation play into all this? I'm sure there must be a connection. Uh, oh, yeah, totally. So, um, you know, so our creator or source of being, whatever you want to call it, is um, so spiritually refined and at such a high vibration of frequency that it can't enter into you and make itself known to you until, and it radiates unconditional love, but it can't make itself known to you until you start going through this process of inner cleansing and rebuilding to get back into alignment with where you come from. And, and when you go through this process to met this meditation that you'll learn, if you, if, uh, you can learn, um, you, you enter into the silence and the stillness of your mind, which is the same state that the, uh, our creators in, in silence and stillness and equilibrium. And when you go through this process of, of doing this meditation and then reaching out uh, in a very specific way that you do that, then that allows the source of our being to enter into you. And it happens imperceptibly and it happens slowly and you won't feel it for a long time. So you have to do this with faith, so to speak, um, and commitment. But you go through this and then eventually you'll start to feel this inflow of spiritual energy. And then it just, it'll build and it'll build and it'll build. And what's happening is that you are putting your human consciousness into the state of vibratory level that matches or, or is reaching to match our creator's vibratory uh, frequency and it allows it to make itself known to you and then it helps you with this cleansing and rebuilding of, uh, of your consciousness until you get to this point where, um, where you have this you know, you, you could have the same experience that I had where you get this strong inflow and you get totally enveloped in unconditional love. But I can tell you when that happens, you know that what you know now know at that point is true. 
Yeah, I have had that experience a couple of times. Um, one was actually during a meditation. I used to, when I was in college, I was living in Northern California in Arcata, California, and we used to go to this meditation place. I met this girl at Montgomery Ward's. I was flirting with her, you know, and I wanted to date her, but then it turns out she invited me to her satsang, which was like an Eastern Indian meditation thing, and it was great. Like, I'm so thankful that she did that, and so I became a second-generation initiate of some living master, and blah, 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 but we used to do meditations and satsang, and we'd have a meal together and do music and stuff, and it was like three hours of straight meditation once a week, and... That was the only time I've ever left my body. Like, the only time, other than taking acid once, when I took acid, I felt like something happened, but this was an amazing experience. That love that you speak of, yes. Um, unconditional, absolutely, like, just cradled in the arms of love, yes, yes, yes. Hopefulness, optimism, all that existed. And then something happened, I started lifting up out of my body, and I got scared, and I opened my eyes. like. Because when the spirit lifted, like, I don't know what was going on, but it really freaked me out. Like, I was, I guess, a control freak or whatever. And then the other time was during uh, my second Christian baptism, strangely enough. And uh, I'll never forget that day. It was amazing. And uh, lots of people all around the planet were watching. It was on a video cast. And then there was like a thousand people in the church. And I remember driving home that day, and the roads had never been shinier. It was a perfectly dry day but like everything was shiny and wonderful and there was just something that I wanted to share with everyone you know it was a sense of like gosh this love I have to share it with others you know and that's the closest I can come to that experience in my own life um, and those were two isolated incidents out of 50 years okay like I'd rather be like you and have that every day how do you do it um, how do you maintain that discipline to stay in the zone every day with so many things distracting you know our lives well you know so when you you go through this process you um you know and you and you can understand um you know how and why the universe was made and what we're here to do and why we're here doing it and when you when you understand some of these things based in science um then it enables you to bridge this gap between science and spirituality. And you learn this new knowledge around spirituality uh, that, that helps you bridge this gap. And when you bridge this gap and you enter into it, so this is something you have to experience. It's not an intellectual experience. And so when you experience it and you're in this state, then you get to the point where um, you just want to live in that state. So... You know, over time, so that was, you know, kind of the, spent the year 20, 2018 was the year where I went through this process to get to this place. And then it's just been this ever-evolving, evolving and deepening awakening, if you will, or, or ascension. And um, the longer you kind of carry on with it, the more and more you realize that it is our truth, it is our reality, and that is what we're here to do. We are here to be open and purified channels of the divine, to to be this embodiment of unconditional love, to express to everyone and everything in your environment. Yes. And yes. and and when you you just you want to live in that state, your goal becomes 
It's got nothing to do, you know, you're living from the inside out. It's got nothing to do with your externalities about what's happening in the environment around you. As a matter of fact, today, uh, and this happened a few years ago for me, but today it's got nothing to do with, you know, how much you own, you know, what kind of car you drive, how much money you have. It's got nothing to do with that. Your life becomes about sharing love with everybody and about recognizing and understanding there's only one creator and um, working to you know offer this to people that are willing to listen so that they can make a decision for themselves there's no right or wrong never push your beliefs onto other people but if people are open and willing to listen I share uh, because you know it's an opportunity for them to to join me on their path, whatever path they are going to take, but to join me on this path to bring this world into a new era of love and peace. And, you know, that's, that's where we need to go. That's what we need to do. Agreed. I got a question for you that I've been thinking about the last few minutes when you were talking before. Um, how much of a detriment are negative people to this process? And is it possible that we can still excel and grow if we have negative Nellies around us? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the um, anything that comes to you that you judge as um, negative or hurtful, those are all opportunities for you to heal that for yourself. And when you heal it for yourself, you heal the other person. Mm. And they may not be any outwardly healing of them that you're going to recognize. But you'll also start to make decisions around you know, these kinds of people I want to hang with, these kinds of people I don't. Right. And, you know, and that may change who you spend time with. And that's right. okay. That's that's totally okay. But all of these things, so, you know, if I go back to that, all of these things, you create every event and every experience that comes into your life through your thinking and your feeling. And when you, you understand the mechanics of the universe and how and why this happens and how we use the tools of the universe to do this, you can make a conscious choice start to do it differently, to unwind this and to come back into alignment with where we come from. And then when you do this, you start to change how you think. And as you change how you think, you start to evolve and you start to ascend. And as you go into this ascension, you get to the point where someone comes to you and, you know, maybe they're overly angry at you, they're yelling at you. And what you want to do, you know, what you will end up doing is you won't react to it because you you know it is part of the process that they need to go through. It's their ego creating these events and circumstances in their lives that will rebound, uh, typically with interest, to, to cause them harm and misery. And it's part of this process of them, for their soul to wake up and understand what it's doing to itself. So you get to this point where what you want to do is you want to express unconditional love in that situation. To, yeah. to help heal them, but also not um, take it on and put it into your whole elect, uh, electromagnetic um, cycle of events that come back into your life. Mm. So sometimes um, there's an act of love, you're saying, in allowing people to have you know issues, let's say, and work through them, but there are times, of course, when you just need to cut cut the rope and uh, find new friends, right? Oh, absolutely. And you will do that. It'll just be a, it'll be a natural evolution and, and 
process, uh, progress for you as you um, as you go along. Now everybody has free will, so you know that's a that's something that we've all been uh, ordained with is free will. So you know you'll get some spiritual insight, some spiritual inspiration, perhaps some direct messages about you know do this. You can choose not to do it, um, and then you know that's entirely up to you. Um, you know, typically what happens is you end up delaying your ascension or you create other things that will be rebound and come back into your life, be it in a year, five years, 20 years, 30 years in the future. Because, wow. And that's just another lesson for you to learn. Yes, indeed it is. That's good news. Yeah, it's good. It seems like life, it's like a puzzle. You know, once you get the pieces lined up, things seem to kind of make sense. But it is a, a bit of a mystery, I think. We humans tend to complicate things, don't we? <laughs> well, um, we. So what happens? You know, we're born. You know, and um, at the time of conception, the little I mind of ego is created. At the, you know, the the soul infuses its past life lessons, etc., into this conception process. The little I mind of ego is created at the same time. And as we grow from you know babyhood to age five, the your brain hasn't developed to make your own decisions. So really, this little baby, if they've been born into a, you know, an environment where they're left looked after and fed and you know watered, that kind of stuff, cared for, you know, they're this little embodiment of unconditional love. And all they're really doing, all babies are ever doing, is they're excuse me, they're absorbing everything in their environment. You know, their their family's culture, the language they use, the traditions they have, the religious, non-religious, whatever. So they're 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 taking on and is starting to shape and hone and hue their personality that's being and this is pro being programmed into the subconscious mind. Then at age five, you know, this this baby makes decisions for themselves, the brain's developed, it starts to make its own choices. And what it's doing is it has at that point developed some patterns of behavior that are going to bring it certain lessons in life as it carries on this path. And it starts to reinforce these patterns and it goes out and it learns other things and has other experiences as it goes through school and it adopts new things and new beliefs and new things that it considers to be right and wrong, good and bad, true and false. And as it grows from, as you grow from babyhood to adulthood, you think you're becoming versed in the ways of the world. But really what you're doing is you're binding down and you're shutting your soul off from the light, from the connection to the divine. And you're letting the little I mind of ego control and rule your life. And when the little I mind of ego does that, it's like um, it's like a method actor. So, uh, you know, someone that's doing uh, method acting, they 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 dress the part, they eat the part, they act the part, they play the part for you know weeks or months before they get onto set to do the film. They're really into character. And, uh, you know, they get in on set and the director calls action and they really into character because they've been practicing it. And then the director calls cut. The actor comes out of that back to who they are. Um, and they come out of that character. They high five each other. Oh man, you know, you did a great job in that scene. I felt like I was really there. Well, the little eye mind of ego is the same thing. It, it, it begins to, you know, and adopt and understand and believe that these objects around us that are solid are our reality, that these things and events that are happening in their life 
um, or is its reality? And it's starting to, and it responds accordingly to these events, experiences, and these solid objects. But we know in science today, for example, that everything at a subatomical level is just energy. There's nothing solid in the universe. But the little, but the this baby, this little eye mind of ego that's controlling your life and your thinking and your reactions based on your externalities, everything that you see is merely a reflection of your beliefs. You change your beliefs, you change what you see, even though nothing changes in your environment. And so we never, as humans, understand this duality, that we're living in this duality. Our soul is our reality. Our ego is merely a tool to help us learn and experience these lessons at a soul level. And so when you go through this process, you learn this new knowledge, you follow this process, you come to this place where you understand this duality, and you and it becomes more than an intellectual understanding. You actually know it and believe it and understand it, that your soul is your reality. The things that are happening around you are just opportunities for you to learn and to heal and to help heal others. And when you come back into alignment with where we come from and to where we return after death, then you become this expression, this embodiment of unconditional love. And it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it takes time. Like, I'm still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. It does not happen quickly. This isn't a fast food, you know, order. Uh, This requires some dedication and some effort. But I can tell you, if you're willing to do it, learn the process, learn the knowledge, you will never look back. Your life just gets better and better and better. And it doesn't matter whether you're ill or healthy, happy, depressed, living on the street or living in a mansion. You know, this, this is for anyone and everyone. This is our, our purpose in life, is to, to wake up and to start to come back into alignment with who we really are. Wow. So death and taxes aren't the only thing that life promises then. There's some good stuff in the middle you say <laughs> okay you know uh, so Dev Patel in uh, uh, what is it best Marigold Hotel you know his thing uh, if you know if it hasn't worked out it, yeah everything works out okay in the end if it ha- if it's not okay it's not the end exactly right wow that's an interesting perspective so in, in this life we get so mired down and myself included with things that we forget and you're saying that our true purpose and you're helping others to remember this is to be you know to have let's say the wisdom and the heart of a child which we lose over time growing into adulthood through things that we see and experience and whatnot where the ego takes control so it's like the ego and spirit sound like two opposite you know opposing forces is that right, or does the ego serve the spirit ever? So the um, the ego is a divinely ordained tool, and it uses the mechanics of the universe, and it can only use these tools of electromagnetism to create things into your life, things that you, you know, so you think about this, things that you like, you know, I like chocolate cake, I like that house, I like that car, I like those people, I like that kind of event. These are things that you bond with. Um, and so that's, you know, kind of a, the attraction or the bonding aspect of electromagnetism. Things that you don't like, you reject, you repel. So that's the, um, you know, re- repulsion part of electromagnetism. 
So, you know, I don't like those people. I don't like that kind of food. I don't want to go to that event. No, I don't want to go to that country. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to that movie. Hmm. So, you know, these are the kinds of things that you push away. And the ego can only use these tools, the mechanics of electromagnetism, to create and manifest these uh, experiences that, that rebound and come into your life, be it in a year or 50 years in the future. And so when you start to understand these mechanics, uh, at, uh, you know, in, in, and I share this in um, very common everyday language, everybody will understand this. But when you understand these mechanics of the universe and how and why we're here and then where we're, you know, kind of uh, new insight into why uh, we're here, what happened before the Big Bang, what was before the Big Bang, the impetus for the Big Bang, uh, you know, what happened at the time of the Big Bang and how the universe was created. When you understand all of these things and you understand what our overall purpose and goal is, even though you might have some individual goals for you individually in this lifetime, the overall goal and the overall purpose is the same thing, is to come back into alignment and be uh, an embodiment of unconditional love. And when you think about this, if you um, are in alignment with unconditional love, if you always have unconditional, loving, kind, considerate thoughts, these are the kinds of things that you will attract and magnetize into your life. When you are uh, misery and when you're grouchy and when you're denigrating and when you're judgmental and when you're angry and you're vindictive, these are the kinds of things that will, you will manifest in your life. And so when you understand this at a deeper level and you gain this new knowledge um, and follow this process, you will start to gravitate and it takes some effort because you know you got to deal with yourself so the good news is you can do this the bad news is or the hard news is that you got to deal with yourself but when you finally deal with yourself and you deal with these patterns of thinking and feeling that we have programmed into our subconscious mind those they're like concrete you need a process to break them up and dissolve them in order to uh, rebuild them and replace them and when you do that then uh, you come back into alignment with who you who you are, and uh, then this this ongoing process that you need to you know, that you'll continue to go through. So the ego is not to be condemned. The ego is a, a tool. It has a purpose. It is designed to enable the soul to go through this evolutionary process. And, um, and like so armor, like, is it like armor? What does it do? How does it serve us in that process? I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, it serves. It it brings to you all these events and experiences. That okay. So imagine you are. Uh, you know, if you can imagine this. So God is unconditional love. God is light. It, I'll use the word God, divine God, creator, whatever you want to use. Sure. So um, God is light. God is unconditional love. And if we were always in that state of light and unconditional love, we wouldn't know anything about hate, animosity, anger, vindictiveness, selfishness, greed. You wouldn't have any of those experiences. So, you know, our Creator went through this process to create individuality of the wholeness and the unity of the divine to bring richness of experience back to itself by allowing these fragments 
of divine consciousness to be individualized to be your soul so that you and your soul can learn these things and have these experiences and it brings richness back to the whole and the unity of the divine because now there's not only light but there's dark there's you know there's things that are you know loving and kind but we also understand things that are not and as you so to bring this richness back to the divine, this variety back to the wholeness and the unity of the divine, you know, there's this whole process to uh, enable us to do that through, these, through this mechanism. That's amazing. Um, there's one funny thing I just noticed is you haven't said the word psychology one time. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, how, did, how, did, how did you escape that, man? Is it is it all a spiritual process or? Is it's, there, it's, all a, it's, a, it's a spiritual process. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with psychologists. Psychologists, uh, you know, psychiatrists, uh, they have a, uh, a purpose and they can be helpful to many, many people. So I'm not slagging any of that. Oh, no, I just but, wondered why it was absent. I didn't hear you talk uh, about it. Well, and you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's normally part of the process of this kind of stuff. So I was just uh, wondering. Well, yeah, no, I'll tell you why I didn't talk about it, because... Um, the human mind only has human concepts of human reality and externalities, and it comes up with these um, postulations and theorems that it tries to prove, and it you know goes through this academic process of creating papers and doing all these studies and stuff. And I'm not saying some of it isn't accurate, but the um, but in reality. The psychologists in that make these pronouncements about, you know, kind of where we come from, why we have these problems in our lives, and they put these processes together, which again, can help and help many people. But when you actually understand how and why the ego is here and why it's designed to work like it does and, and, the, and this process of things that you need to cleanse, you will come to an understanding that the, the every answer that you are looking for is within you. You need look nowhere else except within. And you have all the answers. You just have to know how to um, take these bondages of the e of the ego off of the soul. Let your soul to make connection back to its source, back to back to the divine, and to allow that inspiration and those messages and those clarities of things that you can be working on that will help you with this inner cleansing and rebuilding your consciousness and bring it back into alignment. Amazing. And so, you don't, you know, so again, not slagging psychologists or psychiatrists, you don't need that if you follow this process, or at least put it this way, I don't need it. I understand that, yeah. And, and honestly, I was kind of wanting to differentiate between the difference between spiritual and psychological because they are completely different, but they kind of work together. And I was just wondering, uh, you know, if that had a place. And so I understand where you're coming from. It's uh, completely spiritual. And uh, quite frankly, it sounds to me like, you know, practices like psychology and all just aren't dynamic enough. And they don't have the ability to flex when people move. And, you know, someone has to always fit in a category. That's the one thing about it that I don't like. Uh, psychologists has helped me a lot over the years, but the one thing I never really like about it is that you're always 
going to end up in a category. And some of those things make sense, but some of them really don't. And that's why, you know, and I think the spirit is boundless and, you know, infinite. And, you know, so clearly spiritual practices have seemingly magical results, right? Like, I mean, that's kind of part of what makes it really cool. <laughs> well, and, and, and I'm going to key on this seemingly magical because that, that is accurate. There's, there's no mat when you actually understand all of this, mm -hmm. you will understand there's no real magic. It is just, it is uh, the law of cause and effect. Excellent. And it is, and where we come from. So, um, when you actually understand this at a deeper level, and uh, you gain this new knowledge, and again, I'm to keep repeating that, but you gain this new knowledge, okay. follow this process, and, and uh, you will understand Things that seem like magic are not really magic at all. Wow. It is just part of you coming back into alignment with who you really are. Excellent. And that's the purpose of past lives is to get it right, right? Like, so we don't have to keep coming back here. Is, is that part of it? So imagine that, um, you know, you're a newly created fragment of divine consciousness, a new soul, and you're going to have a new life. So this can get really complicated for people in that. You know, time is just, time is merely, um, time is only relevant when there's an impingement of electrical particles that are going to bond or, or repel each other. Um, time is of no consequence in the form of matter, and time is of no consequence in the form of, um, of spirituality. So you, in reality, are having a number of lifetimes all at the same what we would consider as the same time, simultaneous lifetime. Mm. We, we experience them in this time frame as past lives, past lives or future lives. But um, to answer your question, so imagine you're a new soul created coming to Earth for the very first time. You, your soul dives into a, uh, a pond, a yellow pond, and it comes out dyed yellow. Uh, and it, it, it's uh, raised to uh, live red, uh, yellow life, it's raised to you know, have a yellow religion, etc., etc. It leaves that lifetime and in that soul's imprint is a lot of experience of a yellow life. The next time the soul comes, it dives into a red pond. And so now it, it, it's uh, you know, educated and, and uh, has a culture of, uh, of a red life and it goes through this red life. So now when it leaves that life, it's red mixed with the yellow. And then it dives into a blue pond and a green pond and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The full, the full spectrum, right? The full spectrum. And then at some point, the soul starts to realize that what it's doing to itself. And so then it comes back and it sheds the red and it sheds the green and it sheds the blue and et cetera, et cetera. Until that lifetime when you come back, you shed your final color, whatever that is, you step into the light. And when your ephemeral body dies and returns to light, turns to dust, your soul steps into the light and it does not need to be reincarnated again. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of us would like that, man. I think we're getting tired of this crazy planet we're on. <laughs> Some of us. <laughs> but that's not the idea. The idea is to find the love and peace here so that you can gain in your spiritual existence and whatever is beyond because really I think we get locked up in thinking this is all there is you know and I think I get locked up thinking like that too to be honest with you and um, your reminder of being spirit first 
and foremost, it's really important that it's hard to it's hard to grapple with in today's time with technology and people everywhere and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. But you know, that's a very powerful message just to keep it simple and get back to you know what's real, basically, right? Yep. So and yes, and so I'm just going to say this: it's it's not to find the love here; it's to be the love and express Ooh. that love. And so when you do that, then you become this beacon of light. You become this embodiment of love. And then you will start to see love and joy and peace uh, manifest in your life. Very and, cool. Uh, and so uh, there's something else I was going to say, but I totally forgot what it was. It, it was linked to something you were just saying. It's okay. Yeah, that happens to me a lot. Um, well, what happens uh, when you get older. <laughs> right. I know exactly. Yeah, we... What is it? Uh, the funny joke is um, there's three things that happen when you get older. The first one is you lose your memory, and I can't remember the other two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's okay, though. Um, and I was actually getting ready to wrap up, so uh, now's your chance. If you think of it, definitely pull it out. No worries. And if not, we'll probably get a chance to talk again. Your subject definitely is deep, way deeper than an hour permits uh, to cover in full and I know there's quite a bit more related to this that would be important, but for now, what I'd like to do is ask you um, kind of a strange question, but then I want to kind of wrap up with uh, how people can learn more and how they can get in touch with your message. But I have I have two questions to ask you, and if you could answer them in short, I would really appreciate it. But the first question is, what would you thank your mother for the most as a as a young person and a child growing up if you had a message to her right now, like, as the person that you are, what would you thank her for first and foremost? Uh, you know, I would thank her for everything that she did in my life that uh, caused me both misery and pain and also joy because it was just part of, she did everything that she was supposed to do to help me along this path. Interesting. Wow, and you said misery too, so you had some tension there? Uh, well, if you, um, yeah, if you read my book, uh, you will understand why I said that, but uh, yes, uh, okay. I grew up in a, grew up in a pretty uh, tumultuous environment. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and look, here you are, man, like you overcame the darkness and without, um, well, the light and the darkness I know can't exist in the same space so you know you've clearly become the light and the darkness can never overtake you um, and speaking of which what would you say to your younger self like if uh, you were looking back and said you know a 16 year old me uh, there's something you gotta know what would that be uh, life is a journey within so go within learn how to go within and uh, and follow your path and trust it and I then know. of course I, I probably wouldn't do that, and uh, I'd be exactly where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the the product of youth. I remember myself thinking, and you know, when I was thinking back then, I can remember as an older person how stupid I was because, man, I had like the best teachers right there in my house, and I could have sat and learned a lot more, and I really, I didn't. I mean, I learned a lot. My grandparents, especially, were a big part of that for me, but. Yeah, you know, you really do want to value the time that you have and try to make good good uh, decisions for the future. 
And speaking of which, for people that want to make these changes in the face of a challenging or difficult time in their life or anything along those lines, how would they find you and can they get your book online? Do you have a website? Yeah, so my, um, so the book is, is called, the title is A Higher Road. Uh, subtitle is Cleanse Your Consciousness to Transcend the Ego and Ascend Spiritually. And it's a seven-step process to inner peace, joy, love, abundance, and prosperity. It's by D. Neil Elliott. And that's the D's to differentiate me as an author and on the internet. Uh, website is ahigherroad.com. Uh, all social media links are on there. And the book is available globally wherever books are sold. So in bookstores or Amazon or you know, where, and it's in uh, ebook form. Kindle Apple, the Kobo, and uh, and also in hardcover or uh, uh, softcover paperback. Very cool. You ever thought about doing a book on tape? I like your voice. You have a, a very soothing voice, believe it or not. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no, I'm uh, just getting my audio equipment set up so I can uh, put that on, uh, put that in into an audio book. Uh, but I can't promise when that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, it could take a while. Yeah. It could take yeah. a while. <laughs> that's, that's great, man. And any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience today that uh, maybe we missed or anything that's on your heart that would be important to share? Well, I, I, yeah, a couple of things. One is that, um, you know, there's, there's many paths to the top of the mountain. Uh, but my book outlines the uh, exact process I followed, and I can tell you that this is a process uh, and uh, that offers some new knowledge that is the shortest and the quickest path to the top of the mountain. And uh, I would suggest that you pick up a copy of my book, you read it cover to cover. Uh, if it resonates with you, you go back and start with some of the science material or directly with step one. If it doesn't resonate with you, that's okay. Uh, but if you brought a print copy of the book, uh, then I ask if you could just pass it on to somebody else without any colorful commentary. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't put it on your shelf to reread in five or ten or fifteen years, <laughs> um, and the reason I ask, and I, the reason I ask that is, is because you can never judge the inner reality of another person. Someone who seems really kind and affable and and happy might be an absolute misery inside. Okay. So you never know whether, you know, by them reading this book without any, uh, you know, preconceived notion. Uh, and let them discover the process for themselves because it could be the key that transforms their life. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, and it's true too. I know that uh, I've seen a lot of that in my life where, you know, one thing leads to another and you never really saw it, but 20 steps down the road, that one thing that led to another has a direct impact on something that happens in the future. So, yeah, I would agree. That's a very good idea. And, Honestly, that's a good way to practice kindness, too, and I mean, um, there's nothing wrong with giving, and uh, certainly we all can find somebody that could benefit from this. It's a really good, it's a good way to do it, because this is a powerful message that you have, and if someone doesn't resonate with it, well, I mean, that's okay, but to give something like this is uh, probably one of the nicest gifts I could think of. Uh, somebody wanting to think of giving something like this to you is very heartfelt. Yeah, no, and and thank you for for saying that. But uh, you know, my goal is to is to help people and uh, to bring this, you know, to help all of us 
collectively get together to bring this world into a new era of love and peace. And you can't shop this out. You got to do this work yourself. So, uh, so pick it up, give it a read. You never know. Might just be the difference in your life. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Neil. This has been a joy speaking to you. And wow, very insightful. Um, and again, another reminder. Uh, you're not the first, but I keep getting a reminder that I need to meditate more. And so, uh, at some point or another, I'm going to pick up one of these. Uh, things that I'm learning about and put it to practice and see what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I cool. can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And ultimately, we're all family in spirit. Um, would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Awesome. And so the key really is to bring our family back together in love on this planet and have harmony and peace amongst us, right? Absolutely. And to, to be helping each other and to... Uh, pick people up when they're down and to uh, offer yeah. love and kindness and uh, uh, you know safety and security for people absolutely uh, not to tell them how to do or how to live their lives because they have free will and you, you got to let people do that no and what uh, you're talking about it, it fits people's lives what you're talking about the spirit fits people's lives I don't think that there would be any um, need to adapt I think that this is a change that comes from a deeper place you know, than like the personality. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, no, no, no. I was talking about you know, you, you never ever push your way on somebody else if they're willing to listen. Uh, you offer and you share, and uh, you know, if they pick it up and do it, that's fantastic because then they uh, come back into wholeness and unity for themselves, uh, which then helps everybody. Love it. That sounds great. Thank you so much for being a guest today, Neil. I really appreciate your time and the value of your experience. I really hope that uh, the folks listening will take a look at your website and your book and uh, see if there's something for them and then report back and, you know, let Neil know what it is that changed in your life because of his great work and see if uh, maybe there's a challenge you could issue to people even to improve themselves somehow um, using these techniques. That would be fun to see. I'd like to watch that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, thank you. Thank you You're so much. It's been a pleasure soul. speaking with you today. Absolutely. You too, Neil. And I hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye now. to the Toddcast show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out toddcastshow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode.